Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the podcast. I am John McAlevey. Quadcast, you ask? Yes, it is a podcast mainly for and about folks like me who have had their lives affected by a spinal cord injury, but is really for anyone who just wants to be inspired. Think of this as your 30 to 45 minute session of OT and PT for the soul. Notice how I said in the opening sentence that this was a special edition? That is because I am recording this show on August 19, 2020, exactly 28 years to the day of my injury. Some folks that I've met over the years at Kessler refer to this inauspicious anniversary as their injurversary. Dude, how morbid is that? All kidding aside, it is not just another day on the calendar. I can attest to that. Sometimes for me, it feels like yesterday, while other times it feels like forever ago. For those of you repeat offenders here on the podcast, you will know that I was injured during a fall down my basement steps. I remember that first year, the time that 8-19 rolled around, I actually sat on the top step of those same stairs and just sort of stared straight ahead. While that might sound unusual, I think it was my way of telling the stairs that you may have won the battle, pal, but I will win the war. So how far have we come over this time, 28 years, and how much further do we have to go? I'd say the answers to those questions are pretty far and a long way, I still hope. First of all, I am truly thankful for the ability to still be able to walk on my own two feet. That for me came pretty soon, actually. The great Hilary Shackelford at the time was able to get me upright within a month of intensive physical therapy. When I laid motionless on that surfboard that faithful morning, I never thought that would be possible. And while I'm back in PT now trying to kickstart some muscles that have atrophied during this pandemic, I do not take for one minute that for granted, because as I look around the gym, for the most part, all of my peers are still wheelchair bound. As for some of the things that I'm proud of for these past 28 years, I will give you two. That I still wake up with a smile on my face each and every morning, even though I know that every single thing about my day is about to get extremely hard the minute my feet hit the floor. It ain't always easy, folks, I promise. I learned important lessons along the way, such as don't complain because no one is listening. Secondly, my choice to coach basketball has been a godsend. I never thought that someone who can no longer dribble a basketball, let alone hold one for more than five seconds, would ever be able to command a team. Well, not to toot my own horn, but if I coach this season, it will be my 21st season on the bench. My teams, year in and year out, may not be the most talented, but they are feisty, prepared, and never back down. And oh, by the way, we've won a few championships along the way. Now for some things that I have desperately missed over the years. Aside from no-brainers like having a properly functioning bladder and bowel, being able to run around with those teams and show them exactly what I'm looking for, and using my arms to do, well, pretty much anything, I would say not having the ability to get out and really interact with my niece and nephew is the biggest. I truly miss not swimming in the ocean with them, playing tennis around the corner from our house in Bayhead, and not throwing the lacrosse ball around on our front lawn. These are things that I so wish I could still do with them, and it hurts knowing that I never have and I never will. And how many guys are lucky enough to have a brother-in-law who's a golf professional? I am, and I can't even hold a club any longer. Talk about a tease, that one really hurts. How about some regrets? Sure, I have a few, as the song goes. The biggest one is that maybe I haven't been able to put myself out there in the world as much as I could and should have, something that I hear from a lot of my SCI brethren. But first and foremost on that list is not finding that job. And secondly maybe not finding that special lady. Actually, I keep waiting for Chris Harrison, the host of my favorite TV show, The Bachelor, to call me and say he's got 30 of the most eligible bachelorettes out there and wants me to be the lead. That, I guarantee you, everyone would be the most dramatic season ever. Haha. <laughs> All kidding aside, my friends and family tell me that it's not too late for me in both regards. So if anyone out there has some ideas on either category, my cell phone number is 973-202-3579-er. How about now that I've established that revisiting this day is never easy, and in so much I'm reminded of the old saying that there is strength in numbers. 
So today I have invited two of my all-time bestiest best friends in the entire world to join me for a little trip down memory lane. They will be on together, one from the Jersey Shore and one from Scottsdale, Arizona. For those who have listened to previous episodes, you have heard from fellow SCIers, doctors, vocational directors, and authors about just how important a support system is for someone who's been recently injured. That means family, no doubt, but friends as well. I guess you could say I am doubly blessed because I have both in abundance. I know I am biased, but I had the best father anyone could ever ask for. A mother who has done anything and everything for me, maybe a little too much, forever. And a sister who refuses to believe that there isn't anything I can still achieve. Susan, you are amazing. But you can't pick your family. You're born into them. Friends, on the other hand, are chosen. Some are casual, like you say hi to at the local watering hole, or click like on their family camping trip photos on Facebook. But there are some friends who you just know will be there if you ever need them. I have a number of those, two of which are joining us later. I first met Robert Galatelli in the late 1970s when I started playing Little League Baseball. He was the man. An incredible athlete in many sports, friendly and a smile that lit up the room. He was two years older than me, and so I looked up to him. Heck, I idolized him. All throughout middle school and high school, we remained tight, like brothers, in fact. I always knew he was a good person, but I truly found out his character following my spill. I attended grammar school at Glenwood with Jamie Paget, so I have known him for like a hundred years now. We played sports together growing up as well and were teammates on the Milburn Short Hills Benet Brith Association team in Tri-County. His remarkable father, George Arthur, was one of our coaches and would take us to the batting cages in Vauxhall Union and feed the machines with quarter after quarter so we could get some extra cuts in before every game. Jamie and I were friends, always, but it wasn't until after my accident that I realized just how close we were. Now, I don't mean to slight any of my other buddies here because there have been some real beauties like Dennis Milton, Jim White, and Tom Whalen, but there was nothing, and I mean nothing, and you will hear shortly from Robert and Jamie that they would not have done for me and still do for me. They wouldn't let me fall through the cracks. Following this short time out, Robert and Jamie will join me, and we will reminisce about the good, the bad, and some very funny. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin, the radio play-by-play announcer for the New Jersey Devils. If you like what you're hearing from John McAlevey on today's show, then you'll want to check out more Sports Now's podcast. You know, John's a huge sports fan, and each week he joins me and Steve Titchener for a spirited roundtable discussion on what's going on in sports on both sides of the Hudson. Our podcast can be heard at moresportsnow.com, but also on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeart. I hope you'll check us out. And welcome back to the Quadcast. Remember, you can find us on a whole host of hosts. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart Radio Podcast, Overcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Or, as I like to say, one for each of my listeners each week. That's eight total. Ha ha ha. Well, another thing I'd like to do with my shows as I've moved along is to find a quote. And this week's quote, having the fact that I'm having two of my best friends on, comes from a very, very special philosopher, a very smart one, and that is Winnie the Pooh. Okay? And here's his quote. If If you live to be 100, I hope I live to be 100 minus one day, so I never have to live a day without you. Isn't that cute, guys? That's a great one. That's outstanding. So let me welcome in two of my favorite people in the entire world, Mr. Robert Galatelli and Mr. Jamie Padgett. Hello, fellas, and welcome to the show. Hi, John. Excellent. Thanks for having us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And here we are, 28 years to the day that... Yours truly went uh, surfing down his basement steps that uh, uh, that was not something that I wanted to do, nor that I even realized was happening. But there we were, and I find myself in Overlook Hospital with my world turned upside down, and I wasn't sure, you know, what was going to be going on. And then 
lo and behold, to have friends like yourself not only show up that first day, but to show up that second day and the third day and the fourth day. And here we are 28 years later, you guys are like gum on the bottom of my shoe. I can't get rid of you. But uh, let's first just start off with what are your remembrances? We'll start with you, Robert. When did you sort of first hear about the accident I had that I had and what was going through your mind at the time? I actually heard about it from my mom, John. I was living in uh, her house on Essex Street in Melbourne, and she gave me a call and asked me if I had heard about what had happened to you. And obviously, I had not heard a thing, so I was in complete and utter shock and had um, no idea, John, um, what it all entailed until you know coming up to see you at Overlook Hospital. I had no clue until yeah. I walked into that room. Mm. And what did you find when you walked in there? The, a broken, broken person, huh? I, I couldn't believe when I walked in there what I saw, John. I felt absolutely awful and had no, <clears throat> no clue what you were facing that day and in the days thereafter. I had no idea yeah. until I actually got to see you in person mm. and sit there with you and talk with you. No doubt. And what we learned was I didn't know either. And it was it was a whole new world. I, I told my friends at Kessler today, I was up there for therapy and I said, hey, everybody, it's my birthday today. And they're like, what are you talking about? Um, uh, and I said, you know, this is my injurversary. That's a word I learned from some fellow patients up there, the anniversary of their injury. They call it the injurversary. So I said, yeah, I'm actually 28 years old today because, you know, I was 24 when it all happened. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was a whole new world that started. So um, right out of the gates. How about you, Jamie? Where, where did you hear about all of this? And what was sort of rolling around in your brain when you heard about it? Yeah, John, I actually heard from uh, our, our good friend, Jimmy White. I, I think uh, your father had actually called the, the White family. And then Jim was, was sure to, to, to give myself a call and, and uh, you know, our, our mutual friend, Dennis Milton, a call. And then we, we came over to the hospital together um, to, to just be utterly shocked and surprised at what we saw and I mean, you, you must have seen the look on all of our faces, which was just just un, unbelievable surprise and, and upsetness and just open mouth. And, and it's um, it, it, it's something that I, I, I certainly will, will never forget in my whole life. Yeah. Um, it was it was shocking, really. Well, what was what was soon to become uh, a ritual was that. Uh, and and to my benefit was that Robert would come by in the morning, I think after he would finish up with work, I think you were working landscaping at the time, Robert, and yes. you, would, uh, you would come up and you would be my day guy um, <laughs> and you would physically get in the bed. It was nice. They never put another patient in the bed in the room with me. Remember that? Uh, yes. So I had the whole place to myself. You would get in the bed and you remember sometimes what would happen with the nurses? Yes, I do. Well, tell I everybody. recall quite clearly. They would uh, they would actually come in and, and try and take my temperature <laughs> to see to see, get my vitals. <laughs> they did. Uh, they yep. thought that you were actually the patient, so I had to like whistle. <laughs> no, over here, I'm the one with the with the broken neck. Over here, you might want to talk to me. So, uh, so that was funny. Yeah, I remember that. So you would come in, and and the two of us, you know. I, I think basically what you guys were just trying to do is to put my mind at ease because it was like, um, you know, my world had just been turned upside down and I really didn't know which way was up. But but the fact that you guys were both there and, and you know, didn't let me fall through the cracks is what made, you know, being in the hospital that much easier. I remember we spent hours watching Magnum P.I. reruns. Uh, that was something that sort of took my mind off of everything. And then when your time was up and you had to head home for dinner, uh, then came my night guy and Jamie would come in. Jamie, do you remember those days? I absolutely do, John. I, I used to come in also during during my lunch hour, but I think that was more more so at Kessler. Um, but yeah, the, those early Overlook days, we, you know, I, I just I, I knew it was going to be a long process for your your body to heal. But I, and I knew, you know, not being a doctor, I, I, I had no idea how long. 
But like your father always used to say, is we have time. Yeah. So I figured I, I, I couldn't help with your body, but maybe I could help with your mind. Yeah. And what you said is exactly correct, because anybody who knows you, and Robert will definitely agree, you have one of the best senses of humor of, of any person I know. And you love to laugh and you love to make people laugh. So my thinking was that if I could somehow just put your mind at ease and, and not have you think about your physical situation and we could laugh like the old times or talk about high school, then I, I at least serve the purpose in, in, in trying to help your mind. So we used to watch the cheesy TV, the Jenny Jones show. And, yeah. and the, the, I just remember the, the cheese TV, the Jerry Springer show. And you yes. just used to laugh. Yep. And laugh and laugh. So that, that, that's what I, I recollect. Yeah. And well, let me tell you, it worked because, you know, my mind could have gone in a million different directions. And one thing that um, I've gotten to hear from, you know, some throughout doing this podcast, I've had some other folks that have been on that, that have had injuries. I know I had Eric Legrand on and Mikey Nichols and some other folks. And they said that it, if it were not for family and not only family, but friends that, they really could have never made it through all of this. And so, you know, that's why, you know, I have you guys on here uh, to commemorate this anniversary. It's never easy, but, you know, as a thank you to you for, for being able to do um, what, what you set out to do, because it absolutely worked. Now, how about Robert? Do you remember um, coming up where my, uh, was my dad? I know my dad was always there. My family was always there. What was, you know, their initial reaction when you would see them when I was in the bed? I'll tell you what, John, your dad was an absolute inspiration to me. And I knew that, you know, not that you were going to be okay in that respect, but in one respect, I thought to myself, his dad um, is not one. He was built for something like this. I, I hate to say it like that, yeah. but I've, ne I've never met a man with such an attitude, John, and such a positive. He would put a positive spin on everything that he possibly could could do and he would do anything and everything that he could for you what a great great man and uh he's actually sorely missed today johnny yes thank you and i i completely agree i mean he was he was sort of like the captain right i mean he was the guy yes we he, he sort of led the way and you know when i got out whenever i had you know doctor's appointments or whatever he was the one that would bring me and he was just always so upbeat and so, you know, you're going to do this and this is going to be okay. And this is, yeah. this might suck for a while, but, you know, we're going to do, we're going to get through this and, you know, you're going to be able to do it. And he was just so positive and he took me to all of my things. And so, you know, when we lost him, that was, that was rough because, you know, I have, I have a couple of big appointments coming up this week and I'd love to have, love to have him riding with me or me riding shotgun with him. But uh, how about you, Jamie? Uh, I know that you, you know, grew close closer to, uh, to mom and dad and Susan through all of this. And, um, you also had an encounter with one Helen Yanuzzi at, uh, over yeah, the hospital, yeah, that, who was my grandmother. That, absolutely, John. But, but just touching on, on, on your mom and dad, I mean, your dad was a, was a coach for people who know him. And I mean, I, I don't know if Robert remembers, probably he, he probably does, but you know, there would be friends like congregating outside the room. And Mr. Mack would be pumping us up to go in and see you. Yep. And to say, let's let's pump him up, meaning you, John. Yeah. So he was coaching us to let's go, let's go. And then once in a while, you know, your mom would have a sad moment and mm -hmm. John would say, John Senior would say, Joanne, Joanne, no, we can't do this. Let let's let's pump him up. And mm -hmm. then you know, like Robert said, he 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 took the words right out of my mouth. Your dad was an inspiration. I mean, he was so completely positive mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. And I, I think he was just, uh, just really one of, one of the most, if not the most important part of, of, of your recovery and, and, and you're, you're getting better because he was always there and, and so supportive and, and supportive of us as well. So, yeah. And, and with regards to your, with regards to your, your grandmother, the <laughs> lovely Helen Yanusi. Yes. I came in to see you one 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 uh, one night, and I guess it was between shifts, and there weren't a lot of people around, but it was just Helen sitting at your bedside. Yeah. And I guess she didn't recognize me or, or know me at the time, but I came in, 
And she said, no, who, who are you? Who are you? She was like the, the, the overlooked cop kicking me out of the room because <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. she was unsure that the visitor's hours were, 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 were uh, you know, like you were allowed to have visitors other than a media family. So then I think you, you walked Helen off the ledge and, and I did get to visit you. But she was, uh, she was certainly a trooper as well and she's missed as well. Yeah, she was the, uh, the guardian at the gate. I think it was one of those days where mom and dad were out visiting, you know, Kessler or one of the rehab places that I was going to go to. And they, they put out word, no visitors allowed, no visitors allowed. Because I have to tell you, some of the strangest moments would be, um, you know, people didn't know what to do. And, and every once in a while, somebody would pop in and the first thing they would do is they'd walk over and they'd stick out their hand to shake my hand. And I'm looking at them like, really? I mean, I can't even wiggle my toes and you're going to shake your hand here. And, you know, so that was always something that was a little unnerving. And then it was never cool. Like when people would come in, especially like when girls would come up to visit me and I'm thinking, okay, can somebody at least fix the sheet? So it's covering up the, the, the urinary drainage back that I have on the side of my bed. I mean, these are the things, you know, I, I had to kind of at least put on the airs that I was still a cool dude. I couldn't have that all hanging out there, but those were, uh, those were some crazy memories. How about Robert? Do you remember there was a, uh, there was one of the nurses that I had, I think she was from Cuba and, um, she would come in each morning and tell me what we were having for breakfast. And my favorite thing was she would say that we're having eggs and sausages instead of sausages. (laughs) I do. Yeah. Sausages. The nurses were so good to you, John, you know, and so nice and and there as much as they could be at your beck and call, really, right? Yeah. I mean, they they really and truly became family. I remember Kim was one of them. She was wonderful. And uh, and Christian, I remember him. And they did so many things to try and help me and to try to normalize things. I know that um, down the hallway, there was like this broom closet that had a a big... um, a big sink in it. And they said, how can we get this guy a shower? Cause I was dying, absolutely dying. My head was so itchy. I had, they were using like that dry shampoo on your head. And I'm like, really? That stuff makes your head even worse. So they, they somehow brought me down there one day and we're, we're hiding in like this custodial broom uh, with the uh, sink in there. And they were trying to give me a shampoo, which, you know, was not ideal, but it worked. And so, yeah, those, those folks really became family. I remember that you all got to know them and everybody was sort of on a first name basis, right? Yeah, it's true. Oh my goodness. And so that was, uh, that was how things went down at Overlook. Now, how about let's make the move um, to Kessler and, you know, when I, when I, whenever I talk about that place and you guys can both attest to this, how many times did we sit on team buses that drove by Kessler going back and forth to games? Oh my gosh. Right. Many, many times. Yep. And did you, did you ever look up the hill and even think about it? No. I knew it was there. Yeah. But I didn't really think about it. No. No, I mean, I, I never looked up the hill and I didn't really know what was going on up there. But, you know, I tell people now it's it's a place that you never want to have to go to. But we're lucky that we live around here, that if you have to go to, that it's available for you. And so um, when we made the move to Kessler, it wasn't that all that much different than Overlook because it was close. And that was that was one of the things I know that my parents were interested in because there were some other places that they looked into that we could have gone to. There was a place, um, you know, the Miami Project is down in Florida. Then there was uh, Craig Hospital is out in uh, Colorado. And there's uh, Shepherd is in Atlanta. But we said, hey, listen, all of his friends are right around the corner. And this is like a world-renowned place. Why don't we? Why don't we just set up shop here at Kessler? And so, how about Robert? Talk about some of those days where you would take a ride up through the reservation and head on up to see me when I was in PT. I got to be honest with you, John. The first time I came to see you at Kessler, it was an eye opener because I really, really had no idea in terms of what being handicapped truly meant until I saw the people throughout that building and we're talking about how many years ago 28 years ago John and it's a lot different than it is now however I mean I get choked up talking about it right Mm -hmm. now because of the fact that it is you know it hit it hit me home it hit hard to be honest with you yeah 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 it's it's not something that I had no experience you know being really around um 
handicapped people, disabled people, people with strokes. I really had no experience. And, and you know, it's funny you should say that. I never... Um, I never thought that that would be something that, um, you know, would hit you like that. But now that I think about it, it, it really hit me because I was just in, I was by myself in Overlook in that room. There was nobody else with me. And then all of a sudden, you know, my first day, they wheel me down and they put me in uh, over by a mat. And the first thing I encounter, you guys are going to laugh at this, it's two senior citizens, okay? They must have had strokes or they were the, they were from the neuro gym. And they're playing badminton with a balloon, okay? They're hitting a balloon back and forth. They're about an arm's length away. And with each hit, I can hear their diapers crinkling back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah. "Good God, on green earth, what what has happened to my world here?" But um, yeah, it's it's not something for the faint of heart when you when you walk in and you see people who are are you know so disabled and trying to put their life back together. So that's interesting that well, that was your first uh, your first reaction. And John, everyone was struggling, and to see that firsthand. And not to know the severity of your injury, even up to that point, I had really I had some idea, but I didn't really know, you know, what was going to come of it down the road. But to see so many people in that situation was just, you know, very, very sad. Yeah, an eye opener. Okay, now how about you, Jamie? When you first made it up to Kessler to see me, I'm sure it was probably after work one night and you were very uh, great at bringing me up different uh, food. I know at lunchtime you would bring things and also for dinner. But what was your first reaction when you got a chance to see me out of the bed and, uh, and probably I was in a wheelchair at the time? Yeah, John, what I remember from the transition from Overlook to, to Kessler was, was you, I, I thought you were, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were super comfortable at Overlook and you really didn't want to go to yeah. Kessler yeah. initially, initially. Yeah. And then once you got there, I, I mean, my, my sentiments were the same as Robert. It, it just, it's, it's very, it's much more institutional to me, Kessler. Yeah. And just seeing, seeing everybody in, 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 you know, all the patients there was, it was an extremely eye opening experience that only an institution like that can really, really make you realize how, how dire certain people's situations are physically with, with, with disabilities. But yeah. then I, I was thinking to myself that, you know, now the work starts for John. Yeah. Because yeah. I think at Overlook, it was more the surgery. It was more the swelling in your neck. Yes. Let's just get John back. Let, let's get him as, as close as we can. And then it's, it's let's get to work on. Yeah. So yeah. I, I was, I was happy about that. I wasn't happy that you were uncomfortable. But, and then plus, I, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but maybe you were just scared to even move yeah. from Overlook to Kessler physically. I was. So, it was it was yeah. a little of all of the above. I think you're absolutely right. I uh, I kind of got comfortable at um, Overlook, and I remember whenever they were going to move me for any reason, they would get like six different people onto each person would grab a purse a, a piece of the sheet, so that if they were going to move me to a chair or they were going to move me, you know, in the bed, it would be like okay, everybody ready on three, one, two, and so they knew that everybody had the sheet. Well. When I got to Kessler, my first day for therapy, my friend Hillary, who you both know, who I had on uh, earlier on the podcast, she comes down and she says, okay, we're going to get you up out of bed and we're going to get you in the chair. And I'm like, wait a second, you weigh like a hundred pounds soaking wet. Where are the five other people? You know? Right. And, and she's like, no, man, we've got techniques. And I was, I remember I was petrified because when you when you don't have control of your body it sounds like the weirdest thing because everybody who who isn't disabled does but when you don't have control and you have to rely on somebody else that or else you're going to fall and dome yourself again but she got me up and she threw me in the chair and we were off to the races but yeah i was very scared i was very scared when i first got there and then after being there for so long I never wanted to leave there either. I know you guys probably remember that. Do you remember that? Yep. Yeah. Oh, it was. And like, I, wasn't it a? I'm sorry to interrupt, John. Wasn't yeah. it a change because from Overlook you didn't have a roommate, but then at Kessler you did. 
I did. And I had I had the wonderful Mario Cortese was his name. He was a teacher uh, and yeah. he was injured in he was riding his son's motorbike and he didn't know what he was doing. And he hit the curb and he went headlong into like a stone fence, which was like, oh, my gosh, the poor guy. And he was a great roommate. Unfortunately, he's passed on now. I was in touch with his son uh, not too long ago. But, yeah, Mario was there. So, yeah, it was different to, to actually have um, a, a roommate there. Um, because at, again, at Overlook, I was all by myself, but it was also nice because we were sort of going through the same thing. You know, I remember we could, we could talk about like what each one of us did, uh, in therapy that day, but there was a big age difference between the two of us. And I was progressing a little faster than him. I mean, I was, they had me up and walking, you know, within about three weeks of my stay there. And so, you know, and then I would come back and I would walk in the room and I could see that, you know, in his eyes, like, geez, I wish I was able to do all of that stuff. But um, I remember, do you guys re recall all of the cards and the, and the big banner that we had from ESPN on the wall there? Oh, yeah. Yes. Many, many cards. Right? How about weekends? Oh, yeah. How about a weekend in there? Do you remember what that rotunda looked like? Oh, I sure do. Yeah. There was, how many people would come out? Some of the guys from the city, right? Tons of people, Mac. It was like uh, you were a celebrity in there. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. I mean, you, you had friends, John. You had teachers. You had you had people you worked with. Didn't Freddie used to come when you used to do work for Nabisco? That's was right. That, what is that? Yeah, Freddie. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. No doubt. Yeah. And and that's all the stuff that that kept me going. And and it really and truly did. I mean, that's the thing. I I had some people that were there with me that didn't have that, and I could I could see that. You know, it was wearing on them. And I don't, I honestly, truly do not think I could have been able to do it if it were not for, for family first and foremost and friends, just like, like you guys. It's, I mean, I could never thank you all enough for that. But how about now for some, some fun stories from Kessler? Do you both had a chance to meet uh, a wonderful gentleman there named Bob Salkin? Do you recall that? Yes. Of course. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Let me tell a quick story about Bob Salkin. I was sitting in the feeding group at the time. I had been at uh, an inpatient for maybe, you know, three or four days. So I was being fed and the guy feeding me um, said, Hey John, you know, look over there. There's a the guy over there is making faces at you. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? So I looked over my shoulder and there was this gentleman. What, what would you say guys? He was probably in his late seventies, maybe eighties. Yeah, something like that. Well, he had had a stroke and he was sitting over at the stroke table and I looked up and he's physically sticking his fingers in his ears and sticking his tongue out at me. <laughs> I, I, for the life of me, I'm trying to figure out what the heck is going on here. So I told the guy, I said, Harold, you know, wheel me over. I got to find out what's going on here. So I wheeled myself here. He wheeled me over there and, and we went to talk and I just sort of introduced myself. I said, hi, you know, do we know each other? I'm John McAlevey. And um, for those of you out there that want to put your earmuffs on, I'm going to curse here because out of this man's mouth, I'll never forget it as long as I live. He says, hi, buddy. I've been meaning to kick the shit out of you for three weeks now. <laughs> right? And how do you answer that? You can't. Right? Jamie, I mean, how would you answer a question like that? you... You just smile and, and wait for what's the, the next thing to come out of his mouth. Absolutely. Right. And it, 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 it turned out that Bob was a brilliant man. He was a paleontologist and he actually did shows in, in the Milburn area. Some people that I subsequently found out he did shows in their in their driveway for their kids for birthday parties. But he became a friend. I mean, do you remember, Robert, some interactions with Bob? I actually remember going to see Bob at his house with you, John. <laughs> After, you know, you were both um, out of Kessler. We went to visit he and his wife at the time. Yes. And we had a great, had some coffee with them. And, you know, it was just great to see him outside of Kessler. You yeah. know what I mean? And see others. Yep. The lovely the, Evelyn. Remember he used to refer yes. to her? The yep. lovely Evelyn. How about Jamie? <laughs> you was. had uh, you had a great interaction with him, and uh, I think he t fancied your tie one day. Do you remember that? I, yeah, absolutely, John. I came I came to see you after work, and I had I had uh, I had a tie on with I guess dots on it. Yep. And I, I pull up in in front of Bob, and I, and he's in that road circular rotunda area in, in his wheelchair, 
and I'm right about to walk into your room, and I, and I say, hey, hi, Bob, because we had met previously. And he's like, well, what do, dot, 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 what are you, some kind of big shot? <laughs> After looking at my tie, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I love this guy. Right? Yeah. He was Very terrific. Funny. He he told me Very another funny. great story. His His roommate at the time had also had a stroke. And the problem with the the stroke that this guy had is that it robbed him of his vocabulary. So all he could say was, wah, 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 wah. Oh, so yeah. he said, oh my gosh, I'm going to strangle my roommate because all he does is wah, wah, wah. He said his family came in because it was somebody's birthday and he was singing wah, 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 <laughs> singing happy birthday. And here's Bob like poking fun at this poor guy, and I thought, oh man, this this guy was a real throwback. I just loved him, but then yeah. he would have he would have moments of like lucidity where he would sit down with me and he would he would sort of cry, and he would tell me that uh, you know I I reminded him of his his uh, grandson Mark and that Mark was this oh. and that and Robert. I remember him talking with you about your your uncle was it Ben? Oh yeah, yeah, my uncle Ben. Yeah, that's exactly right. Right, wow. remember that? John, your memory. Your memory is incredible. Oh, I remember everything. It's amazing. It was something about, like, Bob couldn't tell you what he was wearing or what he just had for lunch, but he knew your your Uncle Ben, or was he he your uncle? Yeah, it was was my uncle. My dad's brother, Ben, was a school teacher in uh, Elizabeth. Yep. And a shop, didn't he work in a shop or something like that? Yeah, yeah, he taught shop. Uh, Yeah. Amazing. That's so funny, man. Funny stories. I remember all of this stuff. How about, Robert, tell a funny story about um, you sprung me one night and... I, I, they weren't letting people out of there, but I, I gave a wink and a nod to one of the night nurses, and I said, "You know, I got to get out of here for a little bit." So, why don't you tell our listeners what you did for me? Yes, uh, I picked John up to Kessler, and he had some pull up there with some of the girls and gentlemen who worked there, and uh, we were able to take John out in his wheelchair and place his wheelchair ever so gently in the back of my Fiat convertible spider and Johnny Mac and I went out for a couple drinks that <laughs> evening. <laughs> yes, we did. Get out, of, get out of jail for free card. Yes. And I, I also recall you putting straws in my beer, right? Yes. <laughs> this uh, is true. That was, that was an uh, that interesting was one, sneaking back in there after hours. They kind of yes. turned their head and I can tell you, after having a couple of adult beverages, I certainly filled my night bag. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yes. Right? Uh, oh, funny. goodness. Yeah. And Jamie, I remember uh, you coming up after work. I remember that uh, we had an interesting uh, conversation with one Robert Epps at the time. Do you remember when you brought me dinner one night and he was very impressed? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Epps was a, was a, a kind soul. Oh, and the he, best. Uh, yeah, he he. I guess he saw me bring up dinner for you, and and I don't know if I for, for your parents too, but he he uh, he said, "Oh my God, that guy, that boy brought shrimps, <laughs> shrimps." Yeah, he, he he made shrimp plural, and it was just adorable. Uh, it was pretty funny. He was yeah. a beauty. What a nice man. I mean, here here we are thrown in with these people that you know we probably never would have crossed paths with if it wasn't for something awful to happen. But, you know, they were all on our floor and they were a couple of doors away. And and I remember it was like they became family. And, and you know, with you guys there, you, you almost became an extended family member with all of those people. I mean, do you remember sometimes we would sort of gather in that rotunda? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's something that I mean, I'll never still remember after. We still remember after 28 years, John, just talking about it. Yeah, we do. Pretty amazing. We do. Pretty and then, you know what, Max? Yeah. It, it, it made me feel... A little better when I left there, knowing that these people were there for you and with you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's... yeah. Because there was a quite a crew. It was quite a crew, and you know, I love those people, and I, I, I often wonder how they're doing, and that's why it was so. I was so happy to have uh, Hillary and Dawn come on with me um, huh. earlier in earlier in the season, and I actually got a a nice text from Dawn today, thinking of me on my anniversary, which was. Uh, which was really nice. And then, you know, Jamie, I remember you mentioned earlier about how I didn't want to leave Overlook. I didn't want to leave Kessler at the end either, because who would want to? I mean, first of all, it was like being in a giant sorority house. They were all, all my OTs and PTs were all (laughs) girls and they were all around my age, right? Yeah, that's true, Mac. Do you guys remember that? 
I remember it well. Yeah. And so, and then they're telling me, okay, you have to leave now. And it was like, oh, I don't want to have to leave. And then getting home, that'll, that'll take us into our next phase is me being at home. I mean, do you recall coming over to the house those first times and, and how it was different for me at home? Well, to be honest with you, John, I saw an attitude um, like change more or less because not that you ever wanted to leave Kessler because you really didn't. You, you got comfortable there. But when you got home, I think you felt um, like that you had to do something at this point. Yeah. And you were going to do whatever it took in order for you to make the best out of your situation physically yeah. without question yeah. and the effort and strength that you put into doing whatever you needed to do every single day, even, you know, the, the daily things that you had to now learn how to do on your own, which they helped you do at Kessler. And now, you know, you had your dad and mom there to help you, your sister to help you, but you know, you would often, you know, be very hard on yourself, but in the same breath, you would want to do whatever that you could do for yourself and by yourself. Yeah, you know? I think you're right. I had to, I had to learn, you know, they taught me a saying in OT and they said, you got to, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And I didn't really know what they meant by that until I was out and I was home and I had to do things on my own. Jamie, did you sort of sense the same thing that, you know, I had progressed from, you know, the, the overlook, the, the acute care hospital to the, to the uh, rehab center to now at home? Yeah, I, I mean, to, to be quite frank, John, I was relieved, but still scared. And, and the relieved part is that, you know, you were turning home, there's a, a, a certain degree of normalcy to your life. Once you leave home, once you leave Kessler, and, and you're back. So that, that made me feel relieved. And, and the fact that you have such a great family to support you and friends all around who would help out at, at the snap of a finger, yet... Were you at Kessler long enough? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. You know, so I was yet still a little scared that, geez, maybe John needed another month at Kessler just to, to build up his strength. But, you know, overall, I was, was ecstatic and, and relieved because we got our John back. John's right. back at home. Yeah. You know, and, and, and now, you know, I, I knew you were still going to do the outpatient OT and PT. But you just didn't have that acute care 24 hours a day like you did at Kessler, which I think showed healing, showed your body was healing. And, and that, like I said, there, there is a degree of normalcy to your life once you go home. No so, doubt. No doubt. And, yeah. and that's, I mean, I didn't want to leave, but, you know, you want to go home. And I hadn't been home by that point. It was August 19 was the fall. And I think I finally went home for good, you know, at the end of January. I mean, I'm not a math guy, but that's probably what, about six months or so? Long time. Yeah. And I just wanted to go home. And uh, so that was, that was always great. The chance that I got home. And then when I was home, it was trying to get, you know, find a semblance of, of your old life back. And Robert, that's where you really come in. I mean, at the time, my, my good friend and my old roommate from college, Marty Conlon, was was playing in the NBA and being the journeyman. It was almost like every year he'd be on a different team, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We used to say, well, you stay somewhere for long enough and, and go somewhere nice. So Robert, being a sports fan and being, you know, my, my shadow and my right-hand man at the time, you were great. You said, hey, if Marty's going to be playing somewhere, let's fly out there. So why don't you tell our, our listeners a couple of different places where we went? Well, I was very, very happy, first of all, to even be able to go somewhere with you because I really never thought you'd be allowed to go anywhere at that point, John, mm. to be honest with you. And once we found out you were good to go, we uh, we made it out to Charlotte, mm -hmm. North Carolina, when he was on the Hornets. Yes. And we also went to Miami when he was on the Heat. And we were in Milwaukee, right, Sean? Yeah, I can imagine that. <laughs> I think the Miami trip was the best because that was like, oh, my gosh, we're down there um, in, in crazy time. And, uh, no question. That was great. Remember that spread that he had right on, like it was at Biscayne Bay? Yes, it was so nice. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, him being the bachelor, I mean, he certainly didn't decorate. He had, you know, half-eaten peanut butter sandwiches in between the <laughs> cracks of the couch and all. But that was a nice spot. How about some of the flights that we had? 
Oh, some of the fights were better than others. However, I remember, you know, one being in particularly bad, oh. like awful jump. We Scary. dropped like 1,500 feet in like a second. Everybody thought we were going to die. Right. Yeah. But let me tell everybody out there what a great friend Robert is. I mean, if you ask him to do anything, he will do anything. And and how is this for a visual, everybody? Marty had tickets for us in Milwaukee. This is when Michael Jordan made his comeback to the Bulls after the whole failed baseball thing. So he called me up and he said, hey, guys, if you can get out here, I have tickets for this game. And they're, they're going for like zillions of dollars. Everybody wants to be here. So Robert and I fly out there. So about an hour before the game, we're running late and we had to go back to the house because, as I said, being a great friend and doing anything for me, Robert is catheterizing me there right in Marty's living room as we're, <laughs> we're getting ready to go out to this thing. And, you know, right. I mean, that's not an easy thing for anybody to have to do. But, I mean, you didn't even blink an eye. And again, I could never thank you enough for all of that stuff. But that wasn't the only time. I mean, every trip that we made in the beginning there, you were having to do that for me before. Before we would go out anywhere and then before bed. And um, I, listen, I, I can't thank you enough for that. It's, it's, yeah, but I gotta be honest with you, John. It was a, a valuable learning experience for me. I mean, I just could not believe, you know, and the, I think, I believe it was at Kessler I learned how to do it when yeah. the ladies taught me, right? Yeah, I think it and, was. Yeah, it was. And I felt, you know, horrible for you because the last thing I wanted to do was hurt you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just wanted you it to be as pain-free as possible because in my mind, you would experience enough pain for any man, you know, in a lifetime up to that point. Yeah. Well, I, I was more than glad to do it because I'll tell you what, we had some great, great times on those trips. We, re <laughs> we really did. And I will tell you, it never hurt me, but the ones before we went out to the game were better than the ones after we would go to the bars after and you would have about three or four <laughs> vodka tonics at the... Yeah. Uh, Two in the morning. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The the, the befores oh, were better than the afters. Yeah. Fellas, I, I, I can't thank you enough for all you did for me starting on this day back in 1992, August 19, and, and everything you've done from that day. You have not forgotten about me because, um, you know, sometimes it's easy to when somebody can't be right in the mix. But uh, so I want to thank you for all of that. And I wanted to see if you if you had any final thoughts. I know, Jamie, you had something you wanted to say. Yeah, John, it's just, it's funny on your, your 28th anniversary, like you said, and, and in the, the heat of the summer, the dog days of summer in August, 28 years ago, that it's, it's, you know, the, the, the Lord works in mysterious ways because we, when you took your fall down in, in that fateful fall down in, in your basement on, on the, in Short Hills, your parents, thank God, were actually at the Short Hills house instead of at the Bay Head to Short House. Yeah. Because God forbid, I, I don't even like to think what would have happened if, if they weren't home and didn't actually wake up when you took your fall. I, I would love to hear you what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, you know, you want to talk about lucky. That was the, the luckiest stroke of genius is that my dad had gotten a call, um, I guess early the day before, he had a business call that was supposed to be later in the week. And the guy said, you know, hey, Mac, you think you can you think you could move it up a day because I got to get out of town with my family. And, you know, there but for the grace of God, if the, he didn't get that call and if he and mom didn't come up to for him to make that uh, that business call the following day. You're right. I mean, I I'd shudder at the thought of I'd still be face down on those steps. I mean, that's uh that was unbelievable. And I, I remember him coming down the stairs. I could hear him behind me. I just remember whispering to him at the time, you know, don't touch me, don't move me because, you know, you could wind up doing more damage to somebody that, uh, that has had a fall like that. So yeah, thank goodness gracious. They were home at the time. Um, and how about you, Robert, any, any final thoughts you would like to put out there? Uh, I just like to let you know, John, what a positive impact that you've had on so many people's lives. And you probably have no idea, actually, how many people you've touched over the years, especially those that have known you for as long as Jamie and myself, what you've gone through, what you continue to go through, and your positive attitude. You just never stop, John. You never give up. And you are definitely a source of inspiration for me to this day, well, without question. 
well, for you to say that is, um, it's humbling and I appreciate that. And I'll tell you that it's not easy, uh, to do all of that, um, to, to put the smile on the face and to go out knowing that there's so much that is, you know, working against me all the time. But, um, I thank you for the kind words, but I, I thank you both more for the actions. Um, I, I put in my intro, I talked about how I have great family, but you know, you can't, you don't pick your family. I mean, you're, you're born into a family, but your friends, you know, you pick them and, and through the years you have relationships that, um, you know, last forever. And you, you certainly sometimes find out, you know, who's in your, in your corner when the, you know, what hits the fan and you too, among others, I mean, there's others that, that are not on here tonight that have been right there with me, but you two, uh, really come to mind and have been driving forces and helping me stay on the straight and narrow. And again, I want to thank you for that. And I want to tell you, I love you both to, to here in the moon and here's to, uh, 28 more years. We'll talk when we're, we're all in the, uh, well, actually in 28 more years, we'll be in the same senior citizen home, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we love you, Josh. Yeah, we do. Definitely, Mac. I couldn't think of a better way to get through the 28th anniversary of the day that changed my life than chatting with two of my besties. I couldn't have done it without you, fellas. Thanks. I love you like brothers. I had the pleasure of being a guest on the Strength in Numbers podcast this afternoon. Colonel Tim Nye and friend Neil Cohane highlight people who exemplify grit, determination, and perseverance in their lives, and I appreciate them asking me to appear. I will put a link to the finished product on my Instagram and Facebook pages once it is out of the oven. And next week, we will speak with a gentleman who did not let the spinal cord injury he suffered on the rugby field stop him from pursuing his dream of becoming a physician. Dr. Trevor Dyson Hudson is my next guest. Thanks again to Chris Parapesco at Sound Lounge in New York City. You make this novice sound great each and every week, my friend. And until next week, I am John McAlevey, and I thank you for your time. I don't care about no wheelchair. So much.